Welcome to the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan on Twitter at Adam Vingan. And where should people pay for good journalism aside from everywhere? The Athletic. Theathletic.com or on the app, which actually is tremendous. Uh, a great way to consume content on your cellular telephonics device. And pay for good journalism, of course. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share the show. The Preds are pushing into the playoffs here. There's a good chance they make the playoffs. We'll discuss that today on the show, Adam. So uh, make sure you share the show. Just tell one person. It's not asking a whole lot, right? We got a complaint on on our Apple podcast reviews that somebody doesn't like the voice. The voice will make an appearance later in the show. And if you don't know what that means, I'm not going to tell you. Should I read the, no, the no, review no, no, in no, the voice? No, you will later. We will have a dramatic interpretation of a podcast review later on in the show in the voice that Adam does for basically everything. And so we're going to have, and maybe we'll just turn this into a bit on the show every week where we're just going to have Adam, do, Adam does the voice. And if you don't know what that is, you're not in the club. If you listen to the show, which we assume you are doing right now, and we love you very much and appreciate your support, share the show. As I just said, you know exactly what the voice is. And so the voice is coming. It's coming for you later. Twitter and podcast reviewers. <laughs> Please review the show, in which case Adam might mock you later on in a later episode. <laughs> well, if you're nice to us, I won't mock you. But if you're mean, I will. God, it's very transparent of you. It's very transparent. I've always been a very transparent person. A lot of stuff on the show today. Who's going to lead this team in scoring this year? I don't know why I'm fascinated by that question, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Is this team finally annoying to play against in all the best possible ways? Is Roman Yossi the best player of all time already on this franchise a silly goat question, but it needs to be asked now that he's passing records and breaking stuff. The Dallas and Nashville conversation, of course. What is he, Limp Biscuit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Breaking stuff? Oh, man. Just one of those days yeah. when you don't want to wake up? I, I did wear out uh, their their first single. Like Nookie? In, yeah, like in like in soft, uh, junior year of high school, getting ready for football practice. Like Every day I would listen to that and bomb track from Rage Against the Machine. I know that you're a big so. Mets fan. Would you wear a red Yankees cap Hell no. in honor of Fred Durst? No, I don't like Fred Durst that much, and I hate the Yankees. Would you wear a red Mets cap? I'm an Eminem guy. I like Eminem too. Um, the Eminem <laughs> I would not, show. I do not like one of my favorite albums. I do not like. I do not like alternate colors. Like so, like, you would not wear a so camo, little, pink, red, St. Patrick's Day. I don't like any of that. Stuff. Little new metal. Braden Gall would not would not have worn a red Mets cap. I don't think so. Like Fred Durst? No. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I still listen to a lot of that. Like the stuff that's held up, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, like this, Alice in Chains, Only Metallica. one of those bands is new metal, though. I'm uh, talking about new oh. metal. What do you call new? What? Where's new metal start? We've got to talk about hockey. Limp Bizkit, Korn. Link, uh, Linkin Park. Linkin Park. Uh, the only one I listen to out of any of those still are like the five good Korn songs from the Greatest Hits album. Okay. So I can listen to those all day, though. If I'm running, if I'm on a jog, give me Freak on a Leash all day. <laughs> I'm good with that. What's the, Give me a couple other ones from, from that Greatest Hits album. Stained. I couldn't do Stained. Um, yeah. Mudvayne, Chevelle. I'm falling away from you. Breaking Benjamin, Three Days Grace. Dun, 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 dun. All right, we're done. We're done. I could name new battle bands all day. Overtime wins for the Nashville Predators. Is that part of the reason 
that they are in this situation in the first place? The answer is yes. We'll discuss Dallas and Nashville's schedule remaining as we approach one of the biggest games on Saturday night that I can ever remember in the regular season in Smashville. UC Soros' epicness, brilliance, statistical amazingness. Uh, these are all terrible words, Adam. Uh, you're the writer, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. And, of course, we'll begin with um, – are they better against good teams or not? <laughs> that That is the debate, and we will lay out Did you watch the last two games? As they split with the Florida Panthers on Monday and Tuesday evening. Good news, though, of course, Dallas split with Carolina, and I guess that helped them out a little bit on Tuesday night as well. So before we do that, of course, the gold standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. Jaspers with a new menu. With a new menu. Some new menu items. The next evolution of the sports bar is evolving, shockingly. Evolution is a constant thing. Exactly. Progress. Forward movement. It's always good. We're always evolving. Unless you're in overtime in hockey, in which case sometimes you have to go backwards. But Jasper's never never goes backwards. And by the way, great Mother's Day gift basket. We'll tell you a little bit more about that in the ad. You can get a free gift for your mother that's worth like $200 by just sending in a photo off your phone. That's how easy this contest is. Mm -hmm. So we'll tell you about that a little bit more later on uh, during the ad. And of course... A little live stream action for the NFL draft. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, uh, we will be at Jasper's on Thursday night for like a pseudo watch party, which is like a cool thing just to be able to say out loud. Uh, and then we'll be live across all platforms, 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media partner partnering up to do that. Uh, make sure you also check out Club and Country podcast, Wes Bowling, Tim Sullivan, Talking Nashville SC Soccer out every Tuesday. Fringe Element, who you are having a, a, a tiff with. Aaron Dugan, of course, SEC podcast as we discuss did you ask her my question? I, I did, and you'll have to tune into the show to listen. Fringe Element, every Thursday, we discuss playoff expansion there. And then Lamestream Sports coming up on Friday. Robbie Boren, the head of Titans PR Interesting. during the NFL draft, is going to be on, of course, this week. So a lot of good stuff from 440 Sports. Please check out that and the 440 every single morning as well. Does all right. Robbie share all of his feelings about Titans media members? Um, you'll have to tune in. I think there's a there's some comments about players. There's some comments about media. There's some comments about relationships. There's mm. lots of good stuff in there. And I think you'll have to tune in Fridays on Lamestream Sports. Rate, review, and subscribe. Fine. <laughs> How that, that's the job, Adam. I got to get people to listen to the show. Let's talk right. more about new metal. All right, we're like we're like six minutes into the show here, and we've got to talk about hockey. So. They split 1-1 with the Panthers. Tuesday night's second period was one of the more entertaining periods of hockey that I can remember watching in, in Nashville uh, as a Preds fan. Um, certainly the third period, they just couldn't keep up. F Florida and Carolina are just absolutely relentless. They just come at you with speed and with talent. Tampa's a little bit different. I don't know which one's the better matchup. I'll ask you that question in a second in the postseason, hypothetically. Um, but, the, but the question is here. They go 1-1 one one with Florida, which a lot of people pointed at as the goal. They probably need to go 1-1 one one against Carolina at the end of the year, which probably is the goal. Sweep Columbus and then beat Dallas if you're going to make the playoffs. That's what needs to happen in the final five games. And they split with Florida. So overall, maybe that was the goal. They accomplished it. They finished 3-5 and five against the Panthers on the season. They are 4-5 and five in their last nine games against the best three teams in the division. So let me say that again. 4-5. and five in their last nine games against the best three teams. The previous nine games, Adam, against the best three teams, over. They were 0-9. So are they actually better? Are they actually playing better hockey against better teams? Or is there some statistical mirage that is from Finland and is 5'11"? Well, 
I automatically disregard one of those two wins against Tampa because of who was in net. The 7-2 game it was, Curtis McElhaney started. And if you're going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs, you're not going to face Curtis McElhaney. You're going to face Andre Vasilevsky. So I put an asterisk next to one of those four wins. And as I was watching those two games against Florida on Monday and Tuesday, I feel like it confirmed what the skeptics, including myself, have already surmised it is that without UC Soros playing out of his mind, this team does not stand a chance against the top three teams in the division in the playoff series. Not a chance. Not a chance. Even though the statistics say roughly 50-50 in a series against Florida. When I look at the two games statistically against Florida, so let's look at Monday first. They win, what, 4-1? Yep. They win 4-1. Florida has 21 slot shots on net, according to Sport Logic, and UC Saro saves 20 of them, including 8 of 9 from the inner slot. Which is not normal. Which is even closer to yep. the goal. He was incredible, and he stole that game. He absolutely stole that game. And he tried really hard to steal the game on Tuesday. Even John Hines said after the game that only one player on the team deserved a better fate, and that was UC Saros. He faced a career high in shots against. Which is not necessarily the best strategy. Especially when that record is being threatened at the end of the second period. (laughs) Um, And... I believe the Panthers had 27 slot shots last night, and UC saved 23 of them. So that's 48 slot shots against in two games. <laughs> that is not a recipe for success. It's not sustainable. And when I'm when I'm watching the Panthers, first of all, they're they're just much faster. That's one thing I've noticed about the top three teams against the Predators. Those teams are a lot faster than the Predators. And and you correct me if you think I'm wrong here. I think for slightly different reasons, I think Carolina and Florida are the same. They just come at you. It's speed up the wing, speed up the middle, speed into the zone, just relentless attack and assault. Tampa can do it, but Tampa just sort of does it with like pure talent. They're just like better hockey players than you. And, but they can also play on the other end. That's the difference with Tampa to me is that they they have this ridiculously sound defensive core and strategy and and a goaltender. So I don't know if you think is that is that a fair analysis of the top three teams. The Panthers' weakness is goaltending. I mean Chris Drieger has played very well, but he got hurt in the game on Monday. Sergei Bobrovsky can be very good, but. It comes and goes. Preds had four goals after two periods on um, Tuesday night. Spencer Knight had to come in. I think, I'm not sure if he was pulled or if there was an injury. I think he was just pulled. Um, Bobrovsky. Spencer Knight, who is their hot shot rookie prospect, came in and, and, and they did not make it too, di- they did not make it difficult enough on a rookie coming in cold yeah. um, in the third period when they were down, or they were up by a goal, rather entering the third period. Um, it's just amazing to me the discrepancy in forward talent between the Predators and these teams. Um, because I would take Roman Yossi over pretty much yeah. anybody, with the with the possible exception of Victor Hedman. Of of in terms of any of the, of the other three teams. 
if you're looking at the defensive cores of the Panthers, Hurricanes, and Lightning, yeah, I would, Victor uh, Hedman would be the only defenseman that yeah. I would take over Roman Yossi. I would agree with that. And there are good defensemen on those other teams, especially Carolina. Are three of the top five national predators in the division of those? With If you put Ellis and Ekholm and then maybe... I would put Ekblad. I don't know who's Ekblad, in there. I, you know, I'm looking. I'm thinking about Florida's defensive core, which isn't which isn't fantastic. Ekblad, who's hurt, of course. Maybe number three of the four teams. I'm. I. It might be. It would be, probably be f- three members of the of the Predators, one of the Lightning, and one of the Hurricanes. It might be two, two, and one. Like I might <laughs> do Yossi and Ekholm. Jacob Slavin and Dougie Hamilton okay, okay. and Victor Hedman or Ellis in there. Either way, and, probably three of the top six. Yes, okay. for sure. So I look at the forward depth yeah. and man, yeah. it's, it's not even close. The, the Panthers, you know, they added Sam Bennett at the trade deadline from Calgary and he's been fantastic for them on the score sheet. I mean, Jonathan Uberdo has two five point games against the Predators this season. Two. Five point games against the Predators this that's, season. That's um, Alexander Barkov. Like he scored that power play goal to tie the game in the first period, and you're just watching it, and you're just like, like he's awesome. Yeah, and like even and like even their depth players, Frank Vitrano. Um, it is wave after wave yeah. after wave. Anthony Duclair. I mean, Connor Verhage is is injured, but he was great. Um, and their style season. and their style is relentless. They just come at you the entire time. Yeah, I mean, I, like I stand by what I've said that if the Predators get into the playoffs, you're looking at a, a, a relatively simple and clean first round exit. I think they could steal a game or two. That, that's what I would pick. But I'm not, I, I'm not picking them against any of those teams. You were you were talking about at the beginning of the show, like which one provides the best matchup for them in the first round? None of them is the correct answer. <laughs> well, like like you can pick Carolina, who's had their way with the Predators for a long time. You can pick Florida, who demonstrated just how good they can be when they're on the top of their game. Or you can pick the defending Stanley Cup champions with a Vezina <laughs> winner and net and an MVP coming back healthy after not playing all season. So, so good luck. So here's the ar- I'll I'll make the arguments then for each of them. They they won 3 games against Florida more than they did against the other two teams. Statistically Florida is the matchup that that favors Nashville the most if there is such a thing. Um and so that's that's the argument for for them is that they've had success against Florida more so if you want to call it that. Tampa, I, I feel like the the stylistic, like style makes fights thing, I think matches a little bit better up. Nashville likes to play that style. Tampa t- tends to go a little bit more defensive than the other two teams in the playoffs in particular, and they've got the goaltender. So if you're going to play a bunch of 2-1 games, that might benefit Nashville if you're trying to make the argument again. Pekka also has been, if he's ever going to need to be come in and, 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 and sort of spell UC Soros at any point in time, they've been very good in the past against Tampa. Uh, Carolina, I just, it doesn't, feel good at all <laughs> there's no matchup that feels good with Carolina I, they've got a goaltending advantage against Carolina but other than that it doesn't they're 05 and 1 with two games left to go Carolina has just drank their milkshake the entire year I Carolina to me is the one I don't want to face yeah we talked about the depth. I can't even make a case we for talked that. about the depth at forward for the Panthers I mean Carolina oh, is disgusting is you know they are very lucky to have the likes of Sebastian Ajo and Andrei Svechnikov yes. and 
Jordan Stahl has been incredible, sort of like a renaissance lately. Um, Their forward group is literally named after like the greatest dancer of all time. <laughs> Svechnikov, isn't that the name of the Russian dancer that's like the greatest balleter of all time? See, as much I'll as I know about new metal, I know little about <laughs> ballet. And I don't know anything about ballet. I just, I've heard that, I've heard that name, I feel like, and maybe I just am projecting two Russian names that are similar. But anyway, um, I'm just, my Tennessean is showing. Um, all right. I want to cover that up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. You're not from here. I, I'll, I'll call myself a Tennessean. I'm joking. Um, and listen, I'm the positive guy on the show now because you're just so, you're just so negative all the time. You're so cynical. You're you're ripping on the vibing thing and all that. They're good not stuff. vibing anymore. They're, FYI, they're, 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 sorry guys, they're not. So if you had to face one right now, series started today. Who would you want to play? Answer the question. You can't. You can't. You can't bail. I still think it's Florida. <laughs> Even after watching them score seven it, goals, it might be. But that's how bad I yep. feel about it is that I'm picking Florida who just that game the, the Panthers could have scored 10 goals last I, night I, I they know. could have scored 11 so the reason there's hope and optimism and I'll play the positive role again which is we just talked about it they've got the best the best defense core of the four teams and they're they have a goalie right now who is third in the league in, in save percentage he's number two in the league in goals saved above average number one in the league in goals saved above average in five on five He's already a, a career high in wins in a season that is two thirds of the size of a regular season. He is all of his major metrics are going to be career best across the board. UC Soros is even in a game where he gave up six say, six goals, he still almost had a ninety percent save percentage because they gave up so much shots. So it's actually about right, and he made like three or four spectacular saves. So. There still is a chance you could get to a third or fourth win in a series. Maybe that's the I'm. I'm being uber uh, extra positive here. But we do have to continue to, to rave about UC Soros here. When you look at the stats and the numbers, it, it's just – it's. I don't think he belongs in Vesna. I know the Bally's graphics keep showing him in the Vesna conversation. I think he maybe is on the outside looking into that conversation. But but you can't deny how freaking awesome he's been. Oh, he's been great. And, and one thing to make clear, um, the Vesna trophy is voted on by NHL general managers – uh, reporters do not vote on the Vezina Trophy, so I have no say in that. In that, if I were voting for the Vezina, I would give UC Soros serious consideration. Uh, but he's, I, he's meant more to his team than maybe some of the other guys have meant to theirs because oh, of the talent level. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, here's how good UC Soros has been. So entering last night's game in 18 starts since March 18th, and the reason we use March 18th all the time is that was his first game back after being injured. Um, he had a 1-7-1 goals against before last night's game. Even after giving up six goals <laughs> in 19 starts since that date, he has a 1-9-3 goals against. He it's, gave up six goals last night ridiculous. and still has a goals against average of under two in the past month and a half. That's that's how good he has been. and And... He, like I said, that game could have been 10 or 11. Think about the, the 10 bell saves that he made last night. Yep. You know, the split, the splits he made, you know, the, across the crease on the rebound, a ton of high quality chances. As I said, 27 slot shots on net for the Panthers last night. Um, he, he, uh, he's been incredible. Now, I was mildly surprised, mildly surprised okay. by the decision to go with UC Soros again. I was going to ask last you. night. 
I understand there are a couple of things at play here. One, he's, he's hot. You're he's going hot. back to back, and you're getting ready for the playoffs. He's he's incredibly hot. He's so hot right now. He's incredibly hot. But UC Soros is so hot right yes. now. Yes. He's he's incredibly hot. <laughs> they have three days of rest now. They don't play again until Saturday. So it's not as if, though, you know, if he was playing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. But if there were ever a time to sneak in a start for Pecorino, it would have been last night. Um, I think Pecorino could have given you a similar game. Um, and And it made me wonder. If we have seen the last of Pecorine. Like ever? Yes. Okay, because right, they, so they play Saturday against Dallas. They do not have back-to-backs again this season. Yeah. And if everything goes according to plan, UC Saros rebounds from last night's game. Yeah. He, he plays incredibly well. He's the goaltender in the playoffs. Perhaps Pecorine gets in as in the in the final elimination game of game six when they're down five one yes. and they put Peck in and they he he puts his stick up in the air and gets a standing ovation in game, like when, game six at home in Bridgestone Arena. Like when they lost in 2016 when they were down 5 nothing to San Jose in game seven <laughs> and Peter Laviolette mercifully pulls him and he smashes his stick against the yeah. crossbar. And the, the, the that's the angriest I've ever seen Pecorine. Yeah. Carter Hutton comes in to mop it up. They lose. Yeah, no, they play Saturday against Dallas, obviously. And then there's Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Saturday, Monday. Yeah. So, so you're I, you're absolutely. I hadn't thought about that. It but could we could have seen the last man. we could have seen the last start of Pecorine's career. That's, I'm not going to discount him coming in in relief at some point, but I do not I do not expect him to start yeah. a game again. That's I hadn't I, you know what I hadn't thought about that. I'm getting a little verklempt. I'm a little emotional about it's this. It's a little sad. He's the greatest player in franchise history, which we'll get to in a minute about skaters and Roman Yossi uh, in just a few minutes. We'll get to that. All right, let, let's do some Dallas. And Nashville stuff here. First question for you, rest versus rhythm. Age-old debate in, in the NHL and hockey. Same thing with basketball and, base, and baseball, these sports that play a lot over a short period of time. It's not like football. It, it, they, Dallas will go to Tampa on Thursday, and then they have to play, coming off a loss, they have to play Tampa before they come to Nashville. Nashville gets three days of rest. At this time of the year, I actually think I'm good with the rest, Me especially too. coming off the, the loss. Yeah, I think you play two hard back-to-back games, and now you have three days. They're off today. I imagine they'll practice at least one of, if not two of the days. And I think practice at this time of year is incredibly important considering the Predators have barely practiced. Um, a lot of times they have practice scheduled and then they cancel practice. Um, so to get a practice in would be incredibly beneficial. Uh, so I, I think I think the three days comes at a great time. The Stars play one of their games in hand on Thursday I believe against Tampa um so they'll have a they'll have, have they will have had play I can't wow let's start that again <laughs> they will have played a tough game two days before yeah. the biggest game of yeah. the season yeah. um so I th- I think the Predators are have the advantage here um I, I don't think three days of non-game days can be discounted Okay, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, so we'll get to the overtime thing here in a second. Da- here's Dallas's schedule. They'll play on. First of all, how bi- Saturday is the biggest regular season hockey game in Smashville since w- when? Is it even? It's really hard to put a 
a single circle around a single regular season game. May I tell you a story about a, a big regular season game that pod. I think is funny? It's your podcast. Well, it's our podcast. But, but are you... You're not answering the question, though. No. So like, <laughs> no, kind of. Okay. I feel so like in, you're clearing your throat to not answer the question. In 2017, the last game of the regular season, the Predators were in Winnipeg. And they had clinched a playoff spot. Basically, the only thing that had not been determined were the wildcard teams, which were Calgary and Nashville. But the order had not been determined, whether Calgary was going to be the first and Nashville the second or vice versa. Okay. So the Predators... Had to, I think, if they if they picked up a point or two, a point of any kind, I think they finished first in the wild card, which would have meant switching over to the Pacific Division for this for again, which they had done the previous year when they had to play Anaheim and they had to play San Jose. God, if, that was a brutal travel schedule. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So they needed to, in order to play Chicago in the first round. Which I mean, we didn't want to do at the. You didn't think you wanted to right, do right, at right, the time right. because they were the best team. But in after the West. coming off the year before, you didn't want to do that. Right. They had to lose thing. in regulation to Winnipeg, so it's one one. <laughs> it's one right. one late in the third period, and the Predators get on a power play with like two and a half minutes left. So you're thinking, okay, at the very least, this game is going to overtime, which means they'll get a point. Which means, like, this is a completely selfish story. Yeah, it sounds I, like it. I had to do – I had to fly back and forth between Nashville and Anaheim and San Jose over the course of a month. And it was it was not fun. I mean, it was fun because it was, you know – It was a great series. It was great. They were a great series. But I was very tired. Yeah, so I was like, I would well, rather – all about you. So. I would rather not have to go back and forth to California <laughs> again. Blake Wheeler – scores a shorthanded goal right. with like 45 seconds left to win the game for Winnipeg in regulation. You think, I, Lavi, you think Lavi sort of let him do that? I don't know, but I fist pumped <laughs> under my desk at the, at, at the Winnipeg, in the Winnipeg press box. No cheering I, on press row unless you don't have to fly to Anaheim. Exactly. So was that an important game? Maybe it was because it ultimately I, it, okay, set off the the, the the path to the Stanley Cup final. But it, I can't it, think of a bigger... It's a great story. It is not even... If you've already clinched a spot, it's not even no, close not. to the fact that you are with five games and four games respectively left to go in the season. You are basically tied, even though Nashville's up by two. You're basically tied because they've got two games with a chance to go to the playoffs at home on a Saturday night, which we know can get a little crazy. The building's starting to get more and more people in it's, there. It's feeling close to normal. It, it's going to uh, be... As close to normal as it can be. As, as At least as close to normal as it's been since it was normal. <laughs> and, what, and I got a lot of questions, uh, sidebar, similar to what we were talking about just now. This actually has something to do with our conversation. So the Nashville Health Department, well, I guess John Cooper, said... The other day, that was it, May 14th, that basically everything's going to be reopened and stadiums and arenas have discretion over how many people they can let in. Yeah, you still need to wear masks in large right. large groups, but like sort of when you're outside with your small friend group, you can take your mask off. Also, go get a freaking vaccine. Yes, get a vaccine. For the love of Christ. Yes. Don't listen to Joe Rogan. Get a vaccine. Go get a vaccine. Um don't yell at children. There's a microchip in masks. your phone, and don't read your aunt's Facebook post. Go get a vaccine. Anyway, I'm sure, she's a lovely woman. These are the that's the end of our political screed for the for the show. Um, <laughs> you should have done that in a voice. Yes, I should have done. Don't that. Don't do it. I Save won't. It. I'm Save saving the voice it. For after I'm the break. saving it. Um, so I received a lot of questions about if the Predators are still in the playoffs at that time or in the playoffs at all. Um, 
will there be 100% capacity at Bridgestone Arena? That would be games two, uh, three, and four in the series. My sense is the answer is no. I don't think, no, I, don't think I don't so. think, I think the league still has a say over it. Like, although... And it's still indoors. Yes. And st- we still haven't reached max- the, the right numbers of vaccines my and everything. Guess, so. My guess is that if, if the Predators are still playing on that date, that they might increase capacity to 50%, which would be roughly 9,000... 8,500, yeah. 9,000. That, that would be that would be awesome. So I, I think 50% is, the, is what you could expect if the Predators make the playoffs by the time Nashville regulations loosen. So it will, there will not be 18,000 people in that building for the playoffs. So I want to ask you a singular question, and I want you to save your answer until when we come back. Because we're, we're, we're going to have largely positive second half of the show, okay? We've been accused of being cynical and negative, and I would call it realist, but whatever. We're going to talk about who's going to lead this team in scoring, which I find fascinating. We're going to talk about the, the major big-picture progress this franchise has made since the moment in time that we all thought we should blow the team up. Maybe we need to apologize for that. In fact, we'll, I will apologize for that. We'll, I apologize for nothing. We will talk about Roman Yossi's status with this franchise, also big-picture. Lots of positive stuff coming up and their overtime success this year as well. So lots of positive things coming up. But the question I have that I want you to answer when we come back is does the game against Dallas on Saturday night literally decide who makes the playoffs or not? We will get to that when we return. The gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers Jaspers your friendly neighborhood watering hole with a great happy hour for Nashville Predators fans. 4 to 6 p.m. every day and during Preds games, which there's only like five left. You got great specials, great draft beer prices, great appetizers, which, by the way, new menu. New menu. Pretty cool stuff on the new menu. Constantly evolving. Uh, Also, um, we have a contest. Not a contest. Just a a little giveaway, courtesy of Jasper's, for Mother's Day. And Adam, as uh, as someone who's got a pregnant wife, you're going to have to learn that you now have two gifts to buy on Mother's Day. Well, here's the question that I need answered by you. Your wife. And by the listeners. <laughs> does my pregnant wife. Yes. Who has not given birth to our child yet. Oh, God. Deserve a Mother's Day present. Okay, so you're asking the wrong guy. Because my wife and I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. We didn't give each other. I didn't give her like a push present or whatever the hell that, that is. Oh, like, I have to give Bridget a push present. Yeah, it's like, already been determined. Your wife and my wife are different, though. Just like you and I are different, and our marriages are different, and our relationships are different. I'm married to my wife because she doesn't want st- stuff like that. <laughs> but I don't think I got her anything for Mother's Day while we were pregnant with Marin. Newsflash, Brayden's wife hates stuff. <laughs> it's definitely not true. <laughs> um, but we, we would have been pregnant with our oldest daughter during Mother's Day, and we, I definitely didn't get her anything. When we when she was pregnant, so that answers your question. But you still have a mom, and all you have to do is some. And, and Preds fans should be able to do this really easily. All you have to do is get a picture of your mom acting like a crazy sports fan in front of our faces. So tweet at four forty sports, Facebook, Instagram, however you communicate on the social platforms. Just get a photo of your mom acting crazy like a sports fan in front of your face, and we will mail her a gift basket full of like two hundred dollars worth of cool stuff, merch. Stuff that you can pamper yourself with, some 
some some stuff to drink with and tailgate at the game. Like it's a really cool gift basket from Jasper's Grab and Go Market, which is a great little market there uh, in case you want to pop by and grab some stuff on your lunch break or whatever. So, you know, just it's, it's really easy. Just shoot us a photo of your mom acting crazy, being a, a great sports fan, and we'll pick a winner on Fringe Element, the SEC podcast, uh, in a couple of weeks, and we will literally mail the gift basket to your mom. You can you have to you probably have a photo of your mom on your phone already, so you ha- you don't have to do anything here. This is very simple. Just tweet us a photo, and we'll uh, we'll pick a winner coming up in a couple of weeks, and then mail it to your mom. How about that, Jaspers? Jaspers. Ma- mailing stuff to your mom. Mailing stuff to your mom. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to say about that. No, it's all good. Uh, also, of course, uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday. Little live stream at Jasper's, so we're gonna we're gonna do some uh, NFL draft live coverage from Jasper's. The game room there is available to rent out. You can have up to thirty people in there, which is really cool. Um, so again, if you have a, a great big party or just a post COVID party, you don't even need a reason to have a party now. Once once you're allowed to go do this, you can rent out the private game room at Jasper's. Darts, cornhole, patio, all kinds of cool stuff. So go to Jasper's. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. Some people are saying. Adam. I would like to give a shout out to listener Caleb Cook, who tweeted at us the other day, thanking us for the recommendation and on his first trip to Jasper's. If you listen to the show and you go to Jasper's, that's a huge help to us. We do appreciate it. Please tweet at us if you go to Jasper's. And tag Jasper's, too. And tag Jasper's, at Jasper's Nash. There you go. And Because I have their Twitter page up right now. They have a new menu. They have a new menu. Let us know what you ordered. Let us know what you think. Let us know that... Only if it's good. Let them know that we're giving them business. Exactly. Precisely. Yes. And live streams are fun. I know nothing about the NFL draft. If I hear the name Ojalari one more time, I might pull my hair out. What about Barmore? Barmore. Elijah Moore. <laughs> you know, all these other things. Yes, I'm, I'm aware. Uh, go to Jasper's. It's a great place to watch the game. Great specials for the Preds as well. And the Gold Standard Cocktail, which is named after this podcast. So there's a great reason to go go buy yourself a cocktail and watch the Preds. Yeah, there's no other 440 sports podcast mm. cocktail. Taking chair shots at uh, at other other podcasts on the network, huh? Well, as I said last week, and I guess I'll have to hear the answer this week on Fringe Element, I asked you to ask Aaron if the choice was between having no cocktail at Jasper's or having a mocktail named after her which would she choose? I'm very intrigued by her answer. Tune into Fringe Element for the answer and to find out who wins the gift basket from Jasper's for Mother's Day. Go to Jasper's, everybody. It's great. All right, Adam. So what is the answer to the question? We can talk about the schedule. We can look at Dallas and Nashville. We can look at the, you know, the fact that every single game for Dallas after this is is a, is a road game. They're basically playing, what, eight straight road games to finish the season. Yes, last night against crazy. Carolina was their home finale. Which is nuts. They'll go Tampa Thursday, as we talked about. They go Florida, Tampa, Tampa, Chicago, Chicago to end the year. Nashville, of course, goes two at Columbus and Carolina, two at home. So four for Nashville, five for Dallas. It goes without saying that if Dallas takes two points, the season is over for Nashville. It's looking like that. Um, so right now on The Athletic, I believe we give the Stars a 51% chance of making the playoffs and the Predators a 48% chance. Ooh, Chicago's of down to three. The playoffs. Uh, yeah, Chicago's done. 
Um, Love that. Because the other two have been eliminated officially. Yes. Columbus and Detroit. Man, if the Predators don't beat the crap out of Columbus next week, then you've got bigger problems than whatever we've been talking about. You don't deserve to make the playoffs. Yes. No, I, I would agree. I know I told a, a selfish story about me not having to go to California, but <laughs> the the game on Saturday, in my recollection, is the biggest regular season game I can remember. I, I agree. It, it's I can't think of a moment. I mean, I'm sure there are some games in the stre- down the stretch, like you talked about, where they – there's certainly some at the beginning of the year, right, where they, they hung a banner or celebrated something or somebody's last game or, you know, when Shea Weber re- returned or whatever, like P.K. Subban's first game. Like, there's a lot of big games, but I from like a make-the-playoff standpoint, I'm sure there were a bunch of these types of games – it just feels different this time. With, well, because I they're, think they're, they're going against the team they're competing. I don't know. Just- this is the first time... We talked about this last week, I think, about the comparisons between this year and the 2017 team. That although the 2017 team finished in eighth place and, and struggled at various points of the season, they were never really out of it. Out of it. Um, you know, the Predators were out of it six weeks ago. And they're not in it yet either. So... You know, this is the latest in the season that I can remember where their playoff, like at least since I've been here. Well, they've, they've made the playoff six straight years. This would be seven if they yes, make it. Yes, they have. Okay, that's a sidebar. So I I often get complaints from some people, and I won't do the voice on this. No, because But I often them. get complaints from people when I say that the Predators have qualified for the postseason in six consecutive years because the their argument is... Oh, st- there are Wait, hold on. You should do the voice for their this. Their argument is because the Predators lost in the qualifying round last year that they didn't make the playoffs. The NHL... That's all that matters. The NHL says that teams that participated in the return to play... Even teams that lost in the qualifying round made the postseason. That's it. So sorry, the, sorry, guy on Twitter, you don't get to decide so the, the rules. So the Predators have made the postseason, and then I got into an argument once about the postseason versus playoffs. It's the same thing. When, when Belmont got in as an at-large or whatever it was in a play-in game and won a tournament game, do you think they don't call it a win in the tournament and a tournament bid? Even though they played on a Tuesday in Dayton, no, of course it counts. Yes. It anyway, counts. so this is. So and sidebar. Yes, and sidebar. So this is the certainly I, I can't remember a bigger regular season game. And yeah. like you're right, like Shea Weber's return with Montreal, PK Subban's first game in Nashville. Um, you know, uh, you know, the there were other game, you know, the the Predators' first game against Winnipeg after losing to them in the playoffs. Like there are exciting games. Sure. There but like the no, nothing. The gravity. The gravity. Yes, that's a good word. The, the the gravity of this game in the regular season is unlike any that I can remember. It's monstrous. I love it, dude. It's exciting. Like I, my wife's been like, "What are you doing? Like in the in in your office like all night? You're not hanging out with the family anymore." I I always help put the kids to bed, but then she's like, "Well, you're not watching like I don't know, pick some random show with me anymore." And I go, "That's because I'm watching legitimately exciting hockey games in a legitimately exciting playoff race that I did not expect." And I will start right now with apologizing on March 13th when this team was 11-16 and 1 and I said, "Blow it all up." We were wrong about that. It doesn't mean they should have went out and traded for a defenseman and gave up assets, but we were pretty much wrong about that. Now, they still might miss the playoffs. <laughs> so, I mean, like that. this is supposed to be a positive half of the podcast. Okay, can I do the voice yet? The is voice is at the end. The voice is at the end. Okay, fine. So let's be positive, and then you can do the voice, okay? Okay. So quickly, Roman Yossi passes Shea Weber. 
Uh, he's already the he's already the highest scoring um, um, Swiss player in NHL history, but he passes Shea Weber on the total points list. He's now third behind David Legwan, who's first, of course, and Martin Erat. He's got a chance. He, he probably will pass Martin Erat next season, and a couple more years will pass David Legwan. He's second all time in assists. He's actually seventh all time in goals scored, and he is fifth all time in games played. And he will fly past. He'll be third next season, past Pekka and Martin Erat. If you know, just with next season. Peck is the greatest player of all time, most important player of all time in Predators history. I think you could argue that Roman Yossi is already the greatest. He's won a Norris Trophy. He was a reason that they got to the Stanley Cup. He was a part of a President's Trophy team. And now statistically, on the leaderboards, he's passing Shea Weber. It, it, I don't know if there's an argument right now that I think he's, you know, Pekka most important, probably the greatest, but like skaters... Roman Yossi, I think, is already the greatest predator of all time. I think you can make that case. You could, certainly. Um, you know, is Roman Yossi, like, like, it's interesting because is Roman Yossi the most talented player to ever play for the Predators? Yes. Well, well, Shea, Shea's up there. The argument would be like Paul Correa. Yeah, but that doesn't count. I, like don't, th- I don't think a guy who is clearly amazing, who plays like. I know he set the record for for points in the season, which still so. <laughs> holds, by the way, like twelve years later. Which maybe is like, maybe that's arguing against myself a little bit. He wasn't Paul Correa, though. You know, he, he was still Paul Correa. Uh, he wasn't Paul Correa le- le- legally. He was Paul Correa. Yes, <laughs> he wasn't Paul Correa, but he was still yeah, Paul Correa. Right, that's right. Tebu Salani. Yes. So it's <laughs> it's stupid. That stupid goal alarm too in Anaheim. God, I hate that the siren. Yeah. Or is it Calgary? One of the two. I can't remember. They're all bad. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Roman Roman is clearly the best player. I mean, I mean, See, the, clearly the best player. Yeah. See? I mean, but like, like Philip Forsberg, like Philip Forsberg doesn't have the same statistics because he hasn't played for the team as long, but he's a pretty damn good player. I, but he also hasn't won a major individual award like Roman has. Which is the Norris so, Trophy, of course. Forsberg could be on the same level as Roman Yossi from a skill standpoint, yes. a talent standpoint. In terms of a if cum- he put it all together like Roman Yossi does t- every yes. single night, I would I would agree that I think Roman Yossi is the greatest skater to ever play for the Nashville Predators. How long does it take before he passes "quote unquote" Pekka for greatest player? Period. Does he have to play like the rest of his career, or is it just a couple more great seasons? That's a good question. I mean, not that it matters. I just. Because he, he obviously will pass him at some point. Yeah, I mean it's up. It, they're 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 neck and neck, or very close to that. Okay, I just let's let's start the positive conversation with with Roman Yossi, maybe the greatest player of all time. Um, all right, let's get to how this team, big picture, is developing into a far more annoying team to play with, play against, and how that's a really good thing for the Nashville Predators. So this was sort of the point, Adam. Uh, David Poyle wanted more jam or. You know, fecal agitation or whatever phrase you want to use. Shit disturbers. Yeah, they want to stir this up. This is not a family podcast. They want to stir up some shit. And and listen, I, as an old school hockey fan, I'm not one of these new Nashvilleians. No offense to you guys. You guys are great. I'm not one of these new hockey fans that sort of just like started watching hockey in like 2009. I grew up watching hockey. My dad, you know, was a huge Rangers fan in the 60s. And so I, I grew up watching, you know, Gretzky in the late 80s. I grew up watching Messier and, and the Rangers in the early 90s, the Devils and the Flyers in the in the 90s as well, the Red Wings. So I, this has a more old school feel to me. 
And I really like that. I've got a question about a defense pairing question as well. I really enjoy stirring shit up and being annoying. And when other teams look at you on the schedule, they go, ah, come on, man. I got to go deal with these guys. That's what you want. You also hope that you have enough talent and skill to win a championship. And the game has evolved. So I think it's a compliment to the team. I think it's a compliment to John Hines. I think it's a compliment to the... I. I absolutely I know how you hate the we're vibing thing, which I'm kind of with you on. It's 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 a little it's jumped the shark already. What you know what's even worse than that? N- nicknames for lines like like Yakov Trend and Colton Sissons and the herd line. That that's one of the worst. That's so forced. See the the funny it's thing is so like forced. I have less of a problem with that than I do with you won't call it Jofa though. No, I hate that. Hate it. But how it's so forced. It's just so forced. Now what's not forced is how they play. And I love watching them play, man. Colton Sisson's the only player on the team that's played every single game, 51 game. I love watching them play that style of hockey. Ben Harper stirring it up. I know he got a penalty, but like people. And a gruesome looking injury in that first game. I know. When the door, oh when the door hinge went into his back. Point is, is they are. They're He's a team. okay now, of course. Yeah. The point is, is that as David Poyle wanted, this team is now people look at them on the schedule and they are annoyed to come into Bridgestone Arena and play a team that's going to punch you in the face a little bit more. Luke Cunning is standing in front of the net, like screens, something that could not happen physically under Peter Laviolette. You've got Tanner Janot just pile driving, driving a, a dump truck into the slot when he, whenever he wants to in offense. It is, it's called hockey and it's maybe it's because I grew up watching old school hockey. I'm really enjoying the way that they're coming together. And I don't know if that's a big picture positive for the franchise long term. I don't think it changes their outcome this year, but I enjoy I'm enjoying watching them play that way. Yeah, I mean they have an identity which they really haven't had in the last couple of years, to be honest with you. Um, you know the uh, the Colton Sisson's line, you know first with Yakov Trenin and Matthew Olivier, now with Tanner Janot. You know, they start every game for a reason. Yeah. You know, because they set the tone, which is a terrible sports cliche, but it's true. They set the tone and, um, you know, they're scoring goals, they're hitting people, and and it's, and you can see it throughout the lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, they are looking like the team that we anticipated them being at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, John Hines was asked, I think, after Monday's game. Yeah, it was Monday's game because he actually wanted to talk after that game because he wasn't <laughs> upset with the performance of his team. Um, you know, talking about, like, what's changed. And he said, like, we haven't changed the systems. We haven't changed the tactics. It's just commitment right. and work ethic and all of that other stuff. So, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, last, you know, Tuesday's game aside, for the most part, that's what we've been seeing. They've been better on the forecheck. Uh, they've been more physical, better in the slot. They better they've been, they've been getting to the slot more often. Um, I, I mean, I, I think you are seeing, I don't mind the, the late, uh, play after post whistle chippiness either. When you're going down the stretch to get into the playoffs, I, I want to see that throw, throw, well, when give, you're give a face six wash. foot six and 200 something pounds like Ben Harper, you can get in the mix all the time. I, I'm you know, I think it was, was it Arvidsson that took a sort of a knee to the helmet to the boards maybe a couple of games ago? And, you know, like somebody comes right in and says, hell no, man. Like, that's not that's not the way things are going to work around here. And I think that's that that is a little old school in hockey, but it's still part of the game. It's still a physical sport. This isn't, you know, this isn't two hand touch. OK, uh, and along those lines, 
would you be okay with Ellis and Ekholm, you know, assuming the contract is re-signed and assuming they play together, or maybe it's just the next year that they play together? I, I kind of want to see Ellis and Ekholm play together. It feels more like a more traditional NHL pairing where you've got the big sort of burly dude that, that is going to establish a, a tone on the defensive end of the ice. You've got the offensive guy who's a little smaller, generally a better skater and puck handler, brilliant scorer. Ellis is still a great defenseman too. Um, but I always thought when you put Ellis and Yossi together, there wasn't a guy that's going to do like the dirty stuff, even though they both kind of do. It, not the way Ekholm does. And I like seeing Ellis with, with Ekholm. I don't know. Do you, is I mean, that, the is problem that... is that the Predators don't have a right-hand defenseman like Matthias Ekholm. Like if they had a right-handed defenseman like Ekholm who could play with Yossi, and then you have Ekholm with Ellis, right, right. you know, like Shea Weber was, right. you know, then I think you can. I, I think that you can. Um, you can do that. You know, like you don't want to play Eric Goodbranson with, right, right. with Roman Yossi. You don't want to give Eric Goodbranson top, you know, top pairing minutes. So, you know that you know that's sort of a weakness of their defensive core is if they could find a right-handed defenseman with similar attributes as Matthias Ekholm and play him with Roman Yossi, I could see what you're saying. Is there anybody of all the younger players? Is there anybody that would even come close? I mean, obviously none of them are good, as good as Ekholm, but no, out I of mean, Ference and Fabro and Carrier no, and all these guys, like they don't all, have anybody, right? They're all cut from the same cloth as right. Roman Yossi, right. you know, you know, and, and Ryan Ellis, you know, they're not, you know, Ekholm is – why do you think Ekholm was so sought after at the trade deadline? Yeah, because he's sort of one of a kind in that regard. Um, I mean, there are other defensemen that do things like him, but there aren't very many of them. Um, so basically they need a right-handed Matthias Ekholm to yeah, play with Roman yeah. Yossi. And it's, and there's not one there's not one in the system. So tell me if I think this is crazy or not. I think of the Scott Niedermeyer-Scott Stevens pairing as like the prototypical best possible way to have a defense pairing. I mean, you, you said Yossi and Weber. That actually might be just I as mean, good. I Yossi mean, Roman, and Weber fits as well. Yeah, I mean, Roman Yossi and Shea Weber were a great pair for a long time for a reason because... They complement each they other. They complement each other yeah. incredibly well. You know, Shea was the, the physical crease clearer um, with with the cannon of a slap shot. You know, he wasn't the most fluid skater, but he was still a good skater. And you knew that when he was on the ice, you had to keep your head on the swivel. And Roman was the showman. Roman showman. Well, I guess Roman, the reason I, I would I would break him up and put Ellis with Ekholm is that I think Roman Yossi can do more than Ryan Ellis can. And yeah. so, so if you put Ellis with Ekholm, Yossi's sort of just so good that he can kind of be paired with anybody right. and, and I still think, be good. I, and I think Matt Benning has done an admirable job playing with Roman Yossi, but that's not a long-term yeah, Right, solution. exactly. Um, all right, so um, quickly, overtime here. They've been so good in overtime. Is it? Do you think overtime and shootouts is a fluky stat in hockey? Just a philosophical question. This is a team that struggled really, really badly with overtime and three-on-three three when it first came around. Remember, we talked about it all the time. They couldn't win those games. And now the, one of the only reasons they're in a playoff race right now today is that they are 5-0 and in shootouts. They've got eight overtime wins to two overtime losses. Uh, they is it is that sort of a regression to the mean? That's just sort of luck factor? Do you believe that shootouts is... Hey, your goaltender's just great at this, and you've got some really great skill forwards. Or do yeah, you think I mean, it's the, more fluky? The, the shootout is a crapshoot, crap shootout. Nice. There you go. Um, and <laughs> I mean, how many overtime losses do the Stars have? 
12, 13. <laughs> right. Um, it, so, so again, they're, they're, they're close to being way ahead or way behind too. So, I mean, think if the Predators had less success in overtime and the Stars had more success in overtime, this wouldn't it, even be close. it wouldn't be a race. That's what I'm asking though. Is it, is it fluky that, that, that it's a race because the Preds are five and zero in shootouts? I maybe, or is it, or is there some, I guess the question is again, the question is more like, is it just a fluky? It's definitely a flukier way to decide a hockey game. Like, Right than playing a five on five brand of overtime hockey where you just go until somebody scores. Yeah, like in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I, I'm just curious. I know what you're saying because that I, used to be such a hot topic. I know. I know what you're. Like, I oh. know what you're saying, but like, like I just said, I think if okay. I, I think if you if the Predators were half as successful and the Stars were half more successful Double, twice as successful <laughs> twice as successful half more successful. Half this more. is why I this we, is why I had to repeat. 11th grade math my <laughs> freshman year in college um if they, they were twice as successful then yeah it wouldn't even be close yes. yeah uh all right so really quickly what i'm obsessed with who's going to lead the team in scoring this year in goals uh mikhail mikhail grandlin has 13 uh of course they don't play again until saturday so this will be good for a little while cali arnicark has 12 philip forsberg who hasn't played in a while has got 11 ellie tolvanen who's you know only played like two-thirds of the season has like 11 and Arvidsson, who's played almost every game, he's played all but one game. Credit to him, although he did leave early, right, on Tuesday night, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, ten, ga- 10 goals for Arvidsson. Literally any of these five dudes could lead the, the team in scoring. Personally, you know who I'm rooting for, right? Cali Yarncroke. Oh, 100%. I want Cali Yarncroke to, so that you to lead the goal. Play. What does Cali Yarncroke even do? Yeah, we're about to get to the voice. Cali Yarncroke, all, all he does is score goals, baby. Not my one shining moment. I don't know. Is there, do you have any intrigue in this? Like I, I kind of would like to see, like there's good stories in all of this. Granlin, of course, a rebound. I think, redemption Gran, story. I think Granlin deserves it. I, 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 I tend I to think, agree with you. I think he deserves it. Tolvanen would be a really great story. It would just as a Preds fan. I would go Granlin one, Tolvanen two, Yarncroke three. And then Arvidsson would, it would make him like the team's leading scorer, like what three of the last five years or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, he kind of is starting to establish that, so he could still do it. Uh, Rocco Grimaldi, I believe, has nine. He's like right behind him. He's never going to play again, though. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Granlin deserves it, but I'm definitely rooting for Cali Yonkrook. I don't know why I'm so interested in this. Like, maybe it's the old like NHL '94 guy in me that just wants to see who's going to lead the team in goals. Maybe we That's, shall see. Nothing to add to this. Not intrigued. Like, I who leads said the team my in piece. scoring. All right, I've said my piece. Granlin one, Tolvin and two. Are we going to see Philip Forsberg on Saturday? No. I think we might see him next week. Pretty big game Saturday against Dallas. Anything else? You Okay, voice time. All right. You, you, you did a little bit of voice there with Callie on Croak. So you got a couple things you want. You got a voice okay. voice, so, a voice for a podcast review and voice for, for, a, tweet. for a tweet. Okay, All right. so this is this from... This is a dramatic interpretation okay, so first of, all, of our reviews. Harrison Allison gave us a five... Star review. Thank you. On Apple Podcasts with the subject line binge. Oh. That's a that seems like a good review. So he said, quote, this podcast is good enough. Psh, good enough. This podcast is good enough that Dude, you could take listen the compliment. That you could listen to the oldest episode and continue all the way to the newest one to the newest in one sitting. Well I do wow. find the voice annoying. <laughs> The commentary and and then it stops after that, <laughs> and then it second. stops after that. Wait a second. So in a 
So in a positive five-star review, in which case a man is saying something as nice as humanly possible about our show, which is essentially like, <laughs> like again, you can listen to out-of-date content. Nothing gets more complimentary than I can listen to these two guys talk about things that are, are have already happened. Do you realize how nice and complimentary that is? This is my dramatic reading. And by the way, it says, the commentary and debate make it worth the listen. Oh, see, mine just cut off after and. You click the, the more button. I did. Boomer. I, I, Harrison, thank you for the review. Well, thank I do you find the, the voice oh, annoying. God. I find the voice to be hilarious, Harrison, so I respectfully disagree. But thank you so much for saying nice things and taking the time to listen and comment on the show. So last night I got a tweet. From a um, from a, a follower. Let's see if I can find it. Hold on, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. From John Blaine. How are the Menchies these days? They're fine. <laughs> so John Blaine, he replied to my tweet that said, "These two games have surmised what we. These two games have confirmed what we already surmised. If UC Soros is not stealing games." then the Predators are going to struggle to keep up with their potential playoff opponents. To which he responded, You are so negative about all things Preds. You wanted to blow up the team six weeks ago. They have responded well. To which I said, Who among us did not want to blow up the team six weeks ago? And everybody agreed with me. The end. So yeah, I, kiss I, my I, ass, John Blaine. Please I, listen, I, rate, I, review, and subscribe. <laughs> I do have an issue with revisionist fandom. Like, I can sit here right now today and say, Hey, I was wrong. I thought the team should have been blown up. They should have traded all the pieces. They didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. I didn't see the talent on the roster. I have no problem saying, like, my opinion at that time was wrong. But my opinion was based on the facts that we had. And I think too many times fans, like, old takes exposed or freezing cold takes or whatever this, this stupid shit is on Twitter. Like, these people that are like, oh, I thought Ryan Tannehill was going to be the greatest quarterback in Titans history when we acquired him but when we made the Dolphins pay $4 million of his salary. Like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to just say... We thought they should have done X, Y, or Z at the time based on the information we had. Now we have more information, and our opinion has changed, man. Right. It's okay to evolve and change your opinion. It's fine. Speaking of evolving, the sports bar. The gold standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. Thank you guys all for listening, of course, to the show. We do appreciate it. Actually, please do rate, review, subscribe, share the show, all that great stuff. Send us a picture of your mom, which is a weird <laughs> phrase to say at the show on the show. But send us a picture of your mom. Dressed in great sports gear, being a crazy sports fan. Make sure you tag 440 Sports on whatever platform you interact. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Uh, and uh, we will get, we will award a winner of a Jasper's gift basket, courtesy of the wonderful folks over at Jasper's. About $200 worth of really cool stuff. Merch, food, uh, stuff to pamper your mom, your wife with, whatever the special woman in your life. And uh, make sure you submit those photos over the next week or two. We're going to announce a winner on Fringe Element Podcast, the SEC show on the 440 Sports Network. And uh, we will literally mail it to your mom for Mother's Day. So it'll be really cool. Show us your boobs! Oh, my God. What? You said send us pictures of your mom. Oh, my God. If you do that, you automatically win the gift basket. No, you don't. I don't want to see your mom's boobs. You might. I don't. Not mine. I mean, if your mom is Jennifer Lopez, who's like over 50... Maybe. And even then, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable by this conversation. Good night, everybody. <laughs> just, just. God, Jesus. Bye. Go Thanks for listening to The Gold Standard. <laughs> for Braden Gull, I'm Adam Vingan. Thank you for listening to the 440 Sports Network. <laughs> Send us a picture of your mom.